Yep. All right. I just chewed some gum. Ah, make my mouth all fresh. It's good to know I don't have to listen to bad breath. <laughs> And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Disenfranchised by the modern comics industry, producer Paul Spitaro, Dr. Bill Robinson, and Scott H. Gardner now ply the time stream in a never-ending quest to rediscover and reconnect with that unique brand of fun and excitement that can only truly be found in good old-fashioned, randomly selected comic book back issues. Journey with them now. Back. Back to the bins. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spitaro, and I'm here with Dr. Bill Robinson. I'm a terma bear. <laughs> what a weird concept. So, uh, terma Bill. Last time out, Dr. Bill and I covered uh, Captain America Annual Number Nine, which was the first part of the Terminus Factor. And we intended to do it as a one-off, but in the process of recording it, we decided we would cover all five issues of this particular crossover. So the second part is in Iron Man Annual. The third part is going to be in Thor Annual. Fourth part is in West Coast West Avengers Coast. Annual. And the fifth part is in Avengers Annual. So yep. you have those to look forward to. So today we are covering Iron Man Annual number 11, which came out in September of 1990. Uh, if you uh, recall in the previous story, uh, Captain America and Iron Man uh, encountered some sort of infection created by uh, the Terminus virus, which is yeah, odd, which I don't oddly, think they uh, realized that yet. Uh, but I think they'll realize that gets they figure that out now. Retroactively, that's what it was. It's kind of odd that they're dealing with a virus and that's and we're recording it at this point, but so, so be it. Uh, so this, uh, you know, they, they uh, I'm just trying to remember now, Captain America determined that cold kind of uh, negated it because Iron Man had been infected with it and mm -hmm. he managed to get it negated, but the story ended with a... Uh, was it a grizzly or a brown bear was, or a big bear? He was a hairy bear. He was a, a scary bear. A big bear that was infected with the virus. And that's that's how it left off. So we're picking up from there. He got infected with Terminus. Nothing? You don't, you don't like Schoolhouse Rock? Adjectives on oh, your You know what? I didn't make the connection. That, 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 that's not. <laughs> that's why I said he was a hairy bear. He was a scary bear. I didn't. I didn't pick that one up. Usually, when you do the uh, schoolhouse rock cut. ones, I, I get them. This time, it, it totally went over my head. My bad. It's okay. It's nice. I can surprise you. So this story is written by Roy Thomas, penciled by Tom Morgan. Do you have any familiarity with Tom Morgan? Because I do not. No, and I think. In our discussion off or after the show, we had looked at this. I think we did. I don't know if we looked at it in show or anyway, we'll bring it up here. Uh, no. And 
his what did I say his art kind of I said it looked like a cross between Bill Sienkiewicz and Walt Simonson was kind of the way I what it, with the way I was looking at it. Yeah, and I I do recall that conversation, and I think that is an apt description of it, except not nearly as good as either of them. Exactly, <laughs> it's certain things from each of them, but yet it's. Oof. So it's it's either it's either that Tom Morgan is just not as good of an artist as one as either of them, or the combination stylistically just doesn't work. But I'm thinking it's more the former, and no insult to Mr. Morgan intended. But, you know, we are talking about two very, very highly regarded artists. So Okay, so I just looked at it. So this is in Marvel because I was just quick going through. It says, this is our collection of comic issues drawn by Tom Morgan. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And, wow. He did all these? Huh. Well, I mean. Anything in particular that would be, like, really well-known? It looks like it's a lot of heavy 90s. Um, Saint, wait a minute. Saint, he did Dazzler number 37. Yep, Penciler. Yep, Tom Morgan. Cover artist with John Byrne. Boy, that's a dichotomy. <laughs> did, wait a minute. Did I just use dichotomy correctly? Uh, <laughs> Sorry. It's not bad. <laughs> Isn't a dichotomy a comparison of two things? That aren't necessarily close. Or am I thinking? Let's, of let's see. Let's see before I rule on that because I think you're accurate, but I don't know if I'm wrong because <laughs> I don't know that I ever used it in a sentence. Dichotomy: a division or contrast between two things that are represented as being opposed or entirely different. I would say, you know what? I would say that works for what you did. So, you've you've brought us up an in intelligence level. Thank you. Ah, I got the big bright on Bell. Yeah, and now I brought myself right back down to where I normally am. Yeah, he well, did a lot of... Oh, sorry. But you also quoted uh, Pulp Fiction. Look at the big brain on Bill. <laughs> uh, he did a lot of power pack. You know, I'm wondering if Scott would be more... Um, oh, you know what? I have seen... He, he, what if vo- Volume 2, Avengers West Coast... Uh, like number 71, so like in later, uh, some new Warriors annuals. Did a lot of annuals. Did a little, yeah, he was all over, uh, like stuff in the 90s. Marvel Fair. I don't know outside of Marvel, because I'm not looking at that. I'm just looking at, like, a lot of Alpha Flights, like, upper 100s. Um. So I would say I've probably been exposed to a lot of Tom But it didn't, but it didn't, like, didn't smack. It didn't register. It didn't, like, look at that art. You just read the book and was like, yeah, okay, all right. It, it, it wasn't oh, bad enough that you were like, oh, my God, who is this? And it wasn't good enough that you're like, oh, my God, who is this? I probably just looked at it, shook my head, said 90s, and moved on. Put it in a bag and put it in a box. Next. So the synopsis for this story is as follows. A strange microbe that had infected a bear in Georgiaville, or Georgeville, excuse me, Georgeville, Washington. I assume that's not really a place, but maybe it is, has transformed it into a titanium-consuming robot. The robot, known as a Termini, crashes into the cabin home of Gears Garvin, inhabited by Machine Man and Peter Spaulding. Machine Man attacks the thing, but the Termini eats his robotic arm. 
Machine Man fears that it may try and eat the disembodied head of his love, Jocasta, and tries to get the head to safety. Peter Spaulding tries to run interference for Machine Man at the cost of his own life. Meanwhile, Tony Stark takes a tour of the Seattle plant of Baintronics, Incorporated, with CEO Sunset Bain. Before long, Sunset excuses herself when she discovers that some of her technicians have found the dysfunctional body of Machine Man. She has Machine Man brought down to a secret laboratory where she uses his body as a template to create her own version of Machine Man. But before long, the Termini tracks Machine Man down to Baintronics and attacks the building. Tony Stark switches to Iron Man and fights with the Thing. Mean, the real Machine Man awakens and helps Iron Man fight the Termini. They disable the robot by pouring a vat of molten metal on top of it. Shortly thereafter, a news report is broadcast revealing that dozens of shape-shifting robotic animals have emerged from Georgeville, Washington, and are heading towards the city's industrial centers in search of titanium to consume. Returning to the cabin, Machine Man learns of the death of Peter Spaulding. He vows vengeance against the Termini and is determined to destroy, destroy them at any cost. And that's the Marvel Wiki summary of this book. Hmm. Now, by the way, the there, is, thing, no, oh, there is no Georgeville, uh, Washington. There is a Georgeville Road, however, in Washington. Okay, good to know. And um, I just wanted to see a... Oof. Oof. What's the matter? Uh, no, I, I was curious about the facts of... I'm trying to figure out the temperature of liquid titanium. Okay, well, while you're looking into that, I'm just going to say, I, I was not really particularly familiar with Sunset Bane, who appears in this. I, and well... According to her Wikipedia page, unless you want to elaborate first... No, no, no. I will elaborate at, at the end, because she is currently in the current uh, t Iron Man storyline. With Sunset Bane is a fictional villainess appearing in American comic books published by Marvel Comics. She is a shady businesswoman who occasionally masks at, masquerades as Madame Menace. Although very technologically adept, she personally does not have any superpowers. Publicly, she is the CEO of Baintronics. Privately, she maintains her wealth through black market weaponry deals and other shady practices. She primarily is an adversary of Machine Man and Iron Man. Sunset Bane is an underworld armorer who supplies sophisticated weaponry to an elite clientele of master criminals, terrorists, and revolutionaries. She first appeared in Machine Man 17 and 18, and she appeared in Ghost Rider, Solo Avengers, Iron Man Annual, Spider-Man, Web of Spider-Man. In fact, uh, in Web of Spider-Man, it's one of the ones with the spider armor, Spider -Man, Web of Spider-Man oh. number 100. Iron Man number one from February of 1998, four, 11, and 12, 1820, Taskmaster one through four. That's probably an interesting combo. Punisher War Journal, Marvel Comics Presents. And what is her current situation? Because you obviously have some sort of connection to that. Hmm. Still trying to figure out the temperature of liquid titanium. Luckily, I, I have no titanium in my house, so I wouldn't. If this happened, I wouldn't have to personally worry. Well, it has a melting point of three thousand degrees. She so put it on the stove. Yeah, so I don't see how. 
Yeah, we'll get to that in the story because that didn't make any sense <laughs> to me. No, she's been currently in the current Iron Man. Currently, in, yeah, that's good. Good gives the words. She's been in the uh, ongoing Iron Man storyline, like current day, with uh, teaming up with Arno Stark. It's because they're doing the whole Iron Man 2020 right. theme. Because it's, hey, 2020 finally got here. You've mentioned and that a couple of times. Has that been a good read? <clears throat> okay, I'll leave that let's alone. Just get back to, let's just get back to the book. For a second, you sounded like a uh, Termini-infected bear. <laughs> So I'll, we'll st- I'll 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 give it an Andy answer. It's, it's all right. That, well, you know what? It's all right. Sounds like an improvement over your first grunt. Yeah, we'll just go with the first one. So we'll start with the cover uh, by Mr. Morgan, and it shows the Terminite bear, uh, and the way it's depicted here. It's obviously made of titanium. It's already converted into a titanium robot, but it's, uh, I guess it's superficial foreign skin is peeling off of it as it's, uh, you know, it's got Iron Man in a bear hug. Uh, no, no pun <laughs> yeah. intended. Uh, but that's not the way he appears in this story. I guess it's more or less to kind of just clue the, you know, anybody looking at the cover into what the condition of the bear is. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Machine Man is in the background with one arm removed, and he's reaching around with the other arm, I guess, trying to help. But he's going right past where the uh, well, he's going to wrap around and get it and and get a grip on him and yank him off. His, yeah, I don't know what he's trying to do. Uh, I gotta say, I'm not fond of this art at all. Uh, I don't. It's it's perspective, I guess, is that you're you're looking up from the floor because like the legs of the bear, which aren't all the way brought down to the floor are very, very wide, whereas when you get to his upper body, it kind of is narrowing out. Narrows up. Yeah, so, like you're looking up at him. Same thing with Iron Man. His head looks... Yeah, he's got a bullet head. Yeah. I mean, it's not bad, but it's not good. It's not... It's well, not... It, I, I don't it, like the perspective, and I also... I'm not crazy about the the renderings. I don't think they're that yeah. that well-drawn. Machine Man looks good. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple scenes that look good in here. Like like later in, in the book, yeah. But just looking at, at, at the cover, it's just got that like. It's like when you eat something funny and you're like, and you think it's going to be one way, and you're like, hmm, well, did this go bad? Hmm. I don't know. It's like <laughs> did right this on go the, bad? Let me let me eat some more of it. <laughs> it's like right on the edge. Is this bad or not? I don't know. It's 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 kind of hard to tell. It's like this isn't. I mean, other than the fact that I like Iron Man, if I was not an Iron Man fan, I'd be like, what the heck is that? Well, I'm just going with my initial gut feeling, and, and looking at the cover, I'm not a fan. I, I don't like it. Uh, you know, it, it's you know, it might be when you talk about it in that perspective, where you, you're like letting your taste develop on it a little bit. Maybe as I went on and viewed it longer, I might find some more positives to it. But I'm not seeing them right now. You know, I, I really. I don't care for it, and uh, if Iron Man was not a series that I was picking up and I walked into the store and I saw this, this would not entice me to get it. Uh, also, you know, just looking at the cover a little bit more, you know, the top of it says Terminus Factor, 64 pages, and then just next to where it says, you know, it says Part 2 of 5, so I guess if I was already getting, if I already had Part 1, I probably would pick up Part 2, mm-hmm. but then it says plus four other thrilling thrilling features. So for an annual where I'm expecting something epic, I'm already being told 
this story is not going to be particularly long. Yeah, if you've got four other things going on. So you have five stories in 64 pages. Now, I'm going to assume some of those stories are particularly short, but just the same. Uh, if I'm looking for an epic, they're well, already one of telling those me stories, don't, don't expect it. Well, one of those stories is a sub-story to the story. Yeah. Is the newscast version of what happened, which I don't – I'm just going to say if you read through that, did you look through that, Paul? The, I, I, I honestly did not. Uh, I'll just give you the brief synopsis. It tells the story kind of like from the view of newscasters. And, of course, there's like schmaltzy newscaster stuff in there. But the art doesn't match the – in no way does the art match the story. The bear looks like a cat. Like looks like like if you go to page uh, of the annual, it's yes, it, yeah, the annual, it's twenty eight. Yeah, it does look like a cat, even it, the tail. Yeah, and then look at ty- Machine Man's fighting a bird. See it? Yeah, and which which might hold true to the nope. uh, the thought that other. Nope. Creatures are being uh, infected. That is true, and that is what is mentioned in the newscast that they are talking about. Um, or no, at, at the end of the actual – where is it? At the end of – okay, in the middle of our story, there is talk of creatures that are being infected. Like they show birds, fish, and insects that are being infected and moving south. Yes, they do show that. But this newscast specifically talks about the battle because I read it. Because I was confused. This 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 newscast, from what I read, specifically talks about the battle at Baintronics. Mm-hmm. And the video, apparently, that they're presenting, or the photos that they're presenting, are of that battle. So it would not be the bird creature, and it would not be the cat creature. Right, because the final one of the final pictures is them dumping the molten metal on top of... The bear creature. The bear creature. So there was no bird creature, there was no cat creature... So whoever, um, you know, they might have, yeah, there wasn't some communication correctly about the creature they were fighting because there's obviously these are not, you know, some got crossed somewhere. Uh, who did the pencils in the? This is Richard Howell, who I'm not familiar with. I don't recognize that name. And this is more. This artwork is more. I want to say. Standard. It's not as stylized. It's more meh, I guess. It it doesn't particularly stand out to me, but it does seem more like what I would consider to be a house style. Yes. Yes. It. it, it you know, I, I would think it's it's an attempt to kind of not ape or imitate, but to kind of fall in line with you know what you might see. He's not. More, he's not putting his own spin on it. It's just yeah, like more traditional, trying to be more along the lines of like say a John Byrne or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. Although I don't, I would not compare it to John Byrne. I would say an, an early John Romita. I mean John Romita Jr. Perhaps, but not like without, following with, the house without, style. Without the no, no, no. I, I mean, like, like, like when he was on the Iron Man book early, that he didn't really have his distinctive stuff he has now. Yeah, he gives, I would, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. So, yeah, but that's that's all how that relates. Is that it was a little wonky, but it just kind of expands a little. It just had it views it from like how the public would see it. 
<clears throat> and it was supposedly quote unquote a guy on site with a camcorder that uh, basically says he pooped his pants. Uh, that's what filming. I would do too. Yep. So anyway, so, back to the back to the story at hand. <clears throat> yeah, let's let's dive into this a little bit. Uh, I'll, I'll start off by saying I do not like this artwork, and we already kind of mentioned the the cover artwork and the interior artwork does not bring it up a level as far as I'm concerned. I like it. I like it early on here how he makes Machine Man look because Machine Man should not look human, and he doesn't. But the people don't look right. Like the guy with the blonde hair, his hair What's just his looks. Peter. Uh, Peter Spaulding. Spaulding. Yeah. He'll soon yeah, be and and soon soon to be an ex Peter Spaulding. <laughs> I was gonna say Peter Splatling. Yeah. Unfortunately, the things don't go well for him. It's it's almost I remember uh, not that long ago we covered the issue where uh, Batwoman got killed and it just kind of felt almost anticlimactic the way she went. Yeah, because I'm I'm assuming he's an ongoing member of Machine Man's, uh, you know, inner circle. Yeah, I think he pretty much was. He was introduced in Machine Man number one, and yeah. he was he was a regular part of that book to the best of my knowledge. Uh, so it's you know you you would not that he's a significant character to speak of, but you would think it would they'd want to just be slightly more schmaltzy about killing him off. Yeah, I mean he he gets well, I mean he sacrifices himself. Well, so the opening battle here, um, Machine Man's you know ta- talking about he's talking to his. Uh, they're waiting for Gears Garvin to come back with a pizza. And Machine Man's trying to work on the head of Jocasta, which is uh, – so if you remember in this era, they had the the annuals that were crossover. So this head of Jocasta was found by the Avengers during – at the end of the, uh, the Evolutionary War. And to be honest with you, I did not know that Machine Man and Jocasta's relationship went back this far. I guess I missed it because that has been a big thing in the ongoing Iron Man storyline for like the past year and a half, two years. The relationship it, between Machine Man and Jocasta? Yeah. Well, as he now, how's he now calls himself Aaron Stack? Well, that's funny because in this book, yes, when, he makes when a Peter point, calls him Aaron, he makes a point of saying, no, don't call me that anymore. I'm, you know, or, you know what? I could be wrong, but no, it, but his, his, his character now is so confusing but he does have a thing for Jocasta, and I thought there was something new. I didn't realize it was way back here. So, shows what I know. Nothing. So yeah, so, it, it, it does seem like a strange plot point to be, or plot thread to be going forward with is that he has her head, and he's trying to figure out how to revive her. Kind of, kind of makes me think of. Do you ever see the movie Sleeper, the Woody Allen movie, when they? Uh, the president, I think it's the president or, or the king or whatever he is. It's been so long since I saw it, but he gets killed, and they—I think they have his nose, but that's all they got. And they have—they're going to clone him back from that. Oh, I think I remember that. But I'm also thinking of the movie Reanimator when they cut a guy's head off and they inject it, and it comes back to life, and his body is walking around with his head holding it, so he can like see where he's. It's weird. If you've ever seen Reanimator. There's other things that happened that I'm not going to go on this because it's a it, it it's a human friendly podcast, not a family friendly one. Uh, but anyway, uh, so speaking of humans and not humans, uh, 
a bear supposedly breaks into the cabin and um, Machine Man pushes Peter out of the way, uh, grabs the, the bear, but rips off some fur. And that's when they realize, oh, my God, it's metal underneath. And so I had to get... stand corrected because when we looked at the cover, I said it didn't have the fur uh, in this story. But in the first two panels, it does have the fur until Machine Man grabs it and the fur comes off of it and exposes it as being... Uh, basically all robot at that point. And, and in, in that splash page, you see the fur, the fur laying on the ground. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but in my head, I, I kind of just f- flipped by that the first time I read it, and I was thinking of it as being like a bearskin rug. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. It's a bearskin throw mat. So, yeah, we've got the uh, term, Terminator bear? Terma bear? I think, it's, I think they were calling it a Termini bear. Yeah. But it, it kind of has, you know, this would be after the Terminator movie, so it, it's kind of got a Terminator look to it, but more organic as a bear with the claws. Well, it's, it, but once once we see it with the, uh, you know, with the fur off of it, there's nothing left organic. It's purely all no. metal, but it does have the claws, so it's it's, you know, it's it's aping a robotic bear at this point. But it is there is nothing. I, it's still got left the of, bear. It's got the bear head as the skeleton. The shape-wise, yeah. yeah. But, it's, but, it's, but it is titanium. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not a, uh, you know, made of, made of bone. Right, which is this, just weird. So there's an ongoing battle, and uh, Machine Man <laughs> loses his arm. Well, he, yeah, he does the extension pole mm-hmm. punch, and the bear just uses its claw to just chop the arm off. And then and he goes, yummy, yummy, yummy. Num, num, num. Yeah, it's good. Num, nums. I didn't know Machine Man had a three fifty seven Magnum built to his built into his forefinger. Did you? Uh, I'm not sure. I think I've seen that before, but I, but I couldn't tell you definitively that I have. When I was reading it, it didn't catch me off guard at all. But I couldn't tell you where. That he's got a flamethrower. He he's got a flamethrower. I think those um, are all like little extras that Gears Garvin upgraded yeah. him with. Which is pretty cool. I mean, he's got, you know, he could literally, you know, shoot with his finger. Pow, 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 pow. Does he have to, does he have to flick his thumb down to actually shoot? <laughs> or is it just a, a mental command? Because he's got his thumb up in the picture. But Machine Man is not having much success battling this robot. <laughs> no. And what's, what's cool though is he, he ends up using his, foot jets to but propel actually, him away Peter from... Peter does. Oh, yeah, actually, Peter activates his foot jets because he's, uh, he's basically, I guess, in unconsciousness at this point. Mm-hmm. But he's awake just enough that as he as, as he's right. whooshing away, he reaches out and grabs the Jocasta head and take Squeak. it with him. But yeah. that does not speak well for Peter because... Peter uses some titanium to try and distract the beast and run away. But as he does, the beast grabs him. And I I don't like the artwork, but from a storytelling perspective, I kind of like this. This one page, which is page number seven of the story, you know, it shows him throwing the titanium. The the bear goes for it. How he could throw that titanium barrel is beyond me, though, because I assume it's probably going to weigh a couple of hundred pounds. Well, titanium is actually light. If I remember correctly. All right, let's let's say it's somewhere in the level of aluminum. It's still a barrel of it. It's still got to be fairly heavy. Mm. But Not if uh, it's liquid. He starts running away, and as he does, the bear 
hand slash claw grabs him by the leg, drags him back. He's laying on the floor. He's saying, help me, somebody. And they show a kind of a mid-sized close-up of him on the ground with the bear's foot above him ready to come down. And then we see from outside the cabin and uh, we, you know, we see him screaming, help me. And then there's a sound effect of snap. <sighs> so as I'm reading this, I'm, I, I was saying to myself, did they just kill him? And yeah. it turns out they did, but I was, you know, like, I didn't expect that. I did not anticipate it at all. Yeah. Cause a lot of times you see things to where in a comic or even a, like a, a cartoon or a movie where, where somebody is looming over something, you know, and you see like their shadow cast over the person's face and then the screen goes to black or the, the panel changes to something else. But then later you see, oh, I got away or it, at the last moment it decided it wasn't worth, you know, I it wasn't worth the trouble. And, and I made it. No, this guy's dead. Yeah, it, it, I wasn't sure until they confirmed it at the end. So we, we go from that to Banetronics, Inc., where, mm-hmm. and I got to say, I really did not like this, and I think we've discussed this in the past, but I did not like the Jerry Curl <sighs> character model for Tony Stark. You know who he looks like to me? And, and you'd have to be familiar with professional wrestling of that era. Oh, you, uh, wait, 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 wait. Uh, the, uh, the Brutus the Barber? No, no. No? Uh, one of the Hart brothers, or is that nope. Bruce? Nope. Ooh, who? Who? Ravishing Rick Rude. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jerry Curl Tony. So, if anybody, if anybody uh, is familiar with that character, I, I think you'd get a chuckle out of that. And if you're not familiar with it, I would assume you could look him up online, and they'd have plenty of pictures of him. Uh, but he's there with uh, what was her name? Sunset Bane. Sunset Bane, and there. You know, they're they're discussing things, but then she goes off and he is concerned that she has reconnaissance radar. And based upon that, kind of knows there's something more to her than meets the eye. Baintronics. Just the name Baintronics has got to clue you in that not everything's good. (laughs) Uh, So she's looking after things. Iron Man is coming in to, uh, to to address the situation. Now, the way he's drawn here as compared to in the last issue, the hip portion of his costume is drawn more as being a separate section as opposed to just painted differently. Mm-hmm. So I, pr- I prefer this rendering yeah. in that respect. Yep. So he comes across Machine Man who's down and brings him Yeah, because they had... Uh, they had picked up an incoming missile, but it was actually, but it, oh, it's a slow moving missile. It's just machine man. He and brings, he brings machine man's unconscious form inside along with Jocasta's head. <laughs> uh, but now, and, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. No, I see. And, and then after Iron Man leaves to be, uh, uh, he decides to head to LA to see if he, um, Uh, who is he going to see? He goes to see. I'm just looking. 
He leaves to go to Los Angeles because of, oh, because, oh, duh, of Stark's longtime association with the Avengers. Miss Bane, I suspect there are some devices at his Los Angeles plant that might help revive X-51. Now, I want you to take notice. Sheen Man's name is X-51. Did you notice the flub up later in the book? No, I didn't. Okay, they all start calling him X-15 from, like, this point forward. Oh, okay. Probably just a typo. So, but, yeah, it's like, so Stark leaves and, um, you know, then, of course, now she becomes Madam Menace. Yes. And puts Machine Man into the machine from what are little girls made of from the now, Star Trek episode. Didn't we establish the last time we covered an issue of Machine Man, which was when we had the Comic Geek Speak guys on, didn't we establish that his body weighs like over 400 pounds? Remember, didn't he fall through a roof? I think so, yeah. Because he weighs so much. So two guys shouldn't be able to carry him easily. It well, they are be kind of beefy. Yeah, but still. Yeah. yeah, but they're like barely holding. One guy's grabbing his toes. The other guy's just holding his shoulders. Four like pounds of a human, not a, of a human-shaped body, is not an easy carry. Yeah. But the but workers, yeah, they, the workers walk away, and the guy's like, "Too much crazy stuff going on here for my money." <laughs> I wonder if Stock Enterprises is hiring. And yeah, the like guy that on, place is any safer, buddy. The guy all the way on the left of that panel looks to me like a, a younger Jerry Stiller, who we just lost. Oh yeah, yeah. I was gonna say Pip the Troll, but yeah, I could <laughs> that see too. That. <laughs> yeah, so they they use the what little girls are made of uh, centrifuge to uh, create their last, own. That, that's what I was thinking. I was like, you, you said you know, it. I, yeah. I, I picked it up from you saying it. Yeah. I mean, that's almost exactly what it looks like because it's a centrifuge. <laughs> but now, now that she's blah, now that blah, she's blah, blah, in blah, her uh, Madame Menace mode, she's she even you know she's looking totally different too. Yeah, she's got like on a on a skin tight uh, uh, Doctor No type suit. Her hair has changed. She's got like this weird stuff on her face. Like I don't know. Like did she. She she looks more like a like what uh, what is Lalandra? Is that the Shiar? She looks yes. more like a Shiar. She all does. Of a I didn't make that connection, but yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it, it, even her hairstyle is changed. Suddenly, it's all slicked back, and it's like she's got these weird things like stuck to the side of her face under uh, under. She puts on these goggles. Well, they all put on the goggles. Yeah, but, but why still, does, you know, like, it's not, you know we, we, I read a you know a little bit from her biography. She doesn't have any superpowers. Why why even bother no. with this crap? I I don't know because she's Madame Menace. She likes to dress up and pretend. I don't I know. I like to look menacey. So, but voila, Machine Man two, only with two arms instead of one. <laughs> now see, I thought maybe the X fifteen was. Okay, because they said he's a mirror image, a perfect copy that she started. So maybe it was him instead of the true machine man? Right. I thought maybe they said that on purpose. But where she's she's got the green goggles on, one of the guys is talking and says, Yes, provided X-15 hasn't suffered damage to key components. So right there they start calling him X-15. Somebody goofed and they they swapped. Somebody got a little dyslexic with fifty one and fifteen. Yeah, because yeah. because uh, because even Tony Stark, even Iron Man calls him uh, X fifteen at one point by accident, if I remember correctly. Because I'm just like, wait, what? So yeah. 
So at this point, the uh, Termini Bear enters the picture. And he comes crashing through, uh, I guess it's a glass ceiling. Yeah. Yeah, like and, an atrium. And he's and going the, to work attacking people. And the guy we see from before that wanted to get a job at Stark Enterprises, I'm out of here. <laughs> and he... Oh, about Madame Menace calls Iron Man back. Yeah, basically says, "Get your butt back here!" And and he even I, Iron Man's like, "Hey, I need to talk to her about, uh, you know, who's in charge." And when he gets there, he's like, "Oh, okay, maybe there's something really serious going on here, and I need to, you know, she wasn't just being being snippety." Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and 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 the the uh, when he comes in, uh, the the bear is like. Eating, I guess, eating metal off of a, like an assembly line. Assembly line, yeah. And, and he, he's quickly engaged by Iron Man, who gets thrown away. Yeah, just bats him. Whack. Now that's not a bad panel, although some of the physiology. See, that's where I said it looks like Walt Simonson. Yeah, definitely a Simonson type style there. Yeah. And. So the, uh, yeah, so I don't know if he's aping Simonson. So I think because at this time he Simonson would have made his big splash on, you know, he had been doing Thor prior to this. Yeah, by this time Simonson was a well-known, yeah, well-received artist. I, I don't, you know, the, his credentials were, uh, you know, again to use the same words, well-known at this point. So Iron Man calls the bear Steely Dan. Did you catch that? <laughs> Yeah, that's almost almost a uh, a takeoff of you know the Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, or a precursor to it. Which is kind of funny in another way, considering. Well, never mind. We won't go into the history of what Steely Dan means. Yeah, I think we I think we may have talked about that at one time. <laughs> yes. So, but a lot of kids my age reading this would have not uh, been aware of that. Ah, Steely Dan. Hi, yeah, okay. Steely, he's made out of steel. I get it. <laughs> and that's that, it's that group, yeah. Uh. Well, if anybody's really interested, they can look up the real meaning of Steely Dan. And yeah. Just if you're under a certain age, you probably shouldn't. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> moving on. So he starts to, uh, I'd say I better repulse you as much as you repulse me. Yeah, this is got Robert Downey Jr. written all over it way before that even happened. Uh, you know, which is kind and, of out of character for Iron Man at this era. He wasn't really big into the quips that mm. I can recall. It wasn't until much later, really. You know, he was oh, more well, of a serious one, character. Well, one thing before I forget this: there was a footnote at one point that talks about that this takes place before Iron Man. Two fifty eight, which was was when during I think Armor War two, but I also wanted to point out that also a while back I don't think we covered it or I might I don't know if I mentioned it there was a David Michelini Bob Layton four issue thing that came out and it was numbered Iron Man two fifty eight point one two three and four it was like a little side story that they went back mm-hmm. you know kind of like the the other things that have been done, you know, like we did the Loki, the the Roger Stern Logie story, and things like that. 
or even the uh, the one with the Captain America and Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, and Hawkeye. We did that little that I think five issue miniseries quite a while ago. Oh yeah, yeah. I I think for a second I'm like what? So, yeah. So those so those they, were point issues also. Right. Right. So this um because I was like wait a minute two two fifty eight why is that important? It's like oh it was a it was Armor Wars two when he was going around again getting people that were using his tech. But any, anyway, I just I just wanted to make a side note on that before I forgot it. Uh, so he's still fighting, fight, 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 and, um, decides to, aha, I've got you cold, because I'm going to put liquid titanium on you, which from every, all accounts I'm looking at, liquid titanium is not cold. Yeah, exactly. So what'd you say, so, 3,000 degrees? That's what, it, that's what, that was its melting point to make it melt. Yeah, so it's got to be at least that. Yeah, and its boiling point is higher than that, so, anyway, he dumps it on it. You know, unless they were thinking, I, I think they were getting this confused with liquid nitrogen. Maybe. No, I think I think Iron Man may have, but you know, considering well, well, the, no, no, I considering mean, the I, scientific genius he's supposed to be, he shouldn't be making that mistake. Yes, but he's only as smart as the person writing him. So. Yes, but so instead of killing him, the uh, creature absorbed all the liquid titanium and became larger. And I gotta say, this is a poorly drawn panel. Of the four, because that's what it looks like. Because when I first, like, did my, because I usually go through and do a skim read. And when I got here, I stopped. I'm like, wait a minute. Did it just form four of them? Because there's no, like, they should have. Maybe some growth lines or something. They should show growth lines or the other three should be lighter in color, like, kind of see-through and with growth lines to show. Because that looks like suddenly there's four of them. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I, I think it would be much more effective if the final one was fully rendered and then each one became a little bit lighter going down the row to the first one. Yeah. It's, yeah, it, I'm just like, ugh. Or show them in different stages, like um, standing up, each one standing up and like showing the growth lines or something. So I, yeah, I, you, you need to depend on the uh, dialogue or the thought balloons in order to, uh, to, to realize that what's going on where he says it's growing even larger. And then a big yeah. arm comes in and thwacks him against the wall. Mm-hmm. Or through the wall. Yeah. And through that, the wall into her. Huh? And that wakens X 15. Or 51, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> Are they still calling him X-15? I'm trying to see if they... No. Well, they didn't say his name here. But yeah, yeah. So now he's... Uh, now we've got a big giant bear. And... Uh, yeah, and the other thing about that, that temp panel you mentioned earlier is I don't think it totally gives you a, a, a feel for the scope. Because now that he's... You, you know, we're looking at him. He's... He's giant. He, he, you know, his head is about the size of Iron Man's body now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think that picture really did justice to make you realize how, quite how large he got. From that picture, you would think he went from, you know, maybe eight feet tall to about 14 12. feet tall. Yeah, it didn't look like he got that much bigger. But and this now is, you know, he's, he's drawn, he's like, you know, 90 feet huge. tall. <laughs> yeah, he's a big, giant monster bear. Um. So we get a, uh, uh, well, as the human cliche goes, this is Machine Man, 
I'm back. Of course, I'm saying that as as uh, Randy Quaid in um, Independence Day, but I think he was trying to do Arnold. Yeah, from, probably. You know, well, but this, when I read it, this I read it as Randy Quaid. Day. I know it does, but I read it as Randy Quaid and not Arnold because it's I'll be back. Not I'm back. That's true. So that's why it's like, why is he doing Randy Quaid? And he Wait, does call what? him X-15 here. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? That's not a bad panel. I I can live with that. I think Iron Man looks pretty cool looking there. It's it's, it's a different take. It's like a highly mache- metallic sheen to him. Yeah, you know what uh, I mean? Uh, it's not bad. It's, it's kind of got better a than a lot of what we've seen coming up. To yes. This point. It's got a touch of uh, Barry Windsor Smith ish with some of the like wake, making the metal look very reflective. Like 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 when he did the, the, the life and death one we did where he's mm-hmm. making, you know, like looks a little like that. Like this isn't a bad panel. Of course, there's nothing in the background except speed lines because they're flying. But. You know, it's not bad. But then we get back to the rest of it. Uh, so fight, 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 so fight, fight, fight. I'm just I'm look, I'm reading the dialogue here because which they're, is they're a doing, lot. This is a very verbose book. They're doing the fight, and he, you know, theorizes maybe a bear ate some of those fish. With this thing grew inside of it till there was nothing left of the bear. Of course, that doesn't explain why cold doesn't stop it like it did the microbes. I doused it in frigid liquid titanium. And it devoured it. So how how do you have frigid liquid titanium? I I don't know. I you know what? Uh, let me do another quick. You just keep 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 going with that. So then uh, Iron Man says, "Have you tried pouring molten metal on the creature?" Uh, and uh, they go over, and they there's a uh, big that of hot liquid metal. I don't think at this point they say what it is. And Iron Man is looking to upturn it and then lifts it and pours it on the creature and says, you were right. In this second stage, the Terminus creature had a whole different set of needs and weaknesses, much like an insect passing from its egg state to a larva and one beyond. And what would be the next one? What would have been the next one? I wonder. Be glad we don't have to find out. Hmm. So then, uh, now she's still in her Madame Menace outfit with them, although her face isn't made up the same way. But she's still got the uh, the jumpsuit on, and they're reviewing, uh, I guess, the news report. And the report says these metallic creatures, whether robotic or alive, has not yet been determined, seem to take various forms, including beasts, birds, even metal fish, which have been seen abandoning the Columbia River to scramble menacingly ashore, uh, and insects in gleaming swarms that have only in minutes ago only minutes ago began to darken the skies east of Seattle. No word yet on and the three of them are saying, uh, this renders my statement about the threat being ended inoperative. And uh, Iron Man says, it looks like he's got his work cut out for him. Machine Man says, you're not going alone. 
I still may lack an arm, but Ms. Bain's equipment has energized me enough to see me through. If I can just return to the lab for a few minutes, Iron Man says he's going to need the help. And let's get cracking. Uh, one of the, the assistants approaches uh, Ms. Bain and asks what to do with the duplicate machine man. Should we fire it up too so it can help Iron Man against those metal creatures? She asks, are you out of your mind? <laughs> if that tin can teddy bear had, le had attacked a few minutes later, we'd have already destroyed the original uh, X-15. Uh, and come on the market a few months later with a machine man totally owned uh, by Baintronics. As it is, we'll have to alter the design a bit in order to secure patents and trademarks. We may even decide to give our machine man heads like or machine man heads like the female cranium we took from him. What's the difference? After all, they'll only be robots. Our robots. Ugh. And then we go back to the sad. Uh... Oh, yeah, and she says, it's not like robots have, robots have any real feelings or anything. And then we see Machine Man uh, over the body of uh, Peter Spaulding, which, uh, considering he was stepped on by a big, giant metallic bear, his body looks pretty uh, intact there. Well, it is covered by a uh, body by, bag. By a she, yeah. And Gears Garvin is there, and, you know, they, you know I guess they're they're broken up, and... Uh, Gears is kind of like, oh, you know, I always thought he was kind of, uh, that, that, that he wasn't that macho or just, he wasn't that much of a stand up guy. I, I don't know. He's just, he's just say, he's, you know, feeling a whole bunch of kind of weird feelings. Feelings, bah. So. Yeah, but Machine Man is, is ready to, to declare that he needs vengeance. Mm hmm. Vengeance! Vengeance be mine. And they uh, and they go off uh, to the cry of "Let's go terminate some termini," to be continued in the pages of Thor Annual Number Fifth. No, twenty-three, fifteen. Is it fifteen? Uh, I don't remember which number. I know it's the Thor Annual. I think it's fifteen. It's hard to read in the in the print. It's kind it of does. Uh, it does say it on the uh, splash oh, yeah, page, yeah. so we can go back. And see, it's door annual 15. Okay, yeah. So, um, so this was an interesting chapter. Um, you know, we've seen the, the term, we, now it has a name, they know it's, Tony seems to real, or think it's Terminus in some way, shape, or form. Because uh, he mentioned that early on, you know, oh, the Avengers Files, this is, you know, it looks like Terminus. Fantastic Four fought it Blah blah blah. So, yeah, I I like certain aspects of this that the threat is the threat level is rising, mm -hmm. uh, and also the way that they've solved the issue. You, you've managed to have somewhat complete stories in each of the first two, or at least a middle, beginning, and ending to the first two parts. Uh, but the way that they resolved the threat in those is not necessarily going to continue to be effective. So going into the next issue, it's not like you're sitting there saying, oh, okay, if they expose it to cold or if they expose it to heat, that, that it'll be done and taken care of. Yeah. 
So I, I you know, it, it gives me some anticipation of, uh, you know, a level of uh, threat for the next issue and, you know, an, an escalating threat, which now you figure you're going to have Machine Man, Iron Man, you don't know, maybe Captain America might be back, and you you know you're going to also have Thor involved. Yeah, because because it's going to end up in the Avengers annuals where it's at stage five, because we go Thor, West Coast, Avengers. Now, see, I don't think I ever bothered to read these, even though I had them, because I never had the Captain America annual at first. So it's now only going back later through, like I've been picking up Captain America here and there. I think somewhere along the way I picked up the issue and, you know, kind of prompted reading this. So I have all these, you know, so this, I I don't know how this ends. I mean, I know it's going in and, you know, everything's going to be fine. Pretty much. Well, we, well, they did kill, I mean, they did kill a major character in a certain character's little, you know, core group. little world. So, but I don't know if we're going to see anything world shattering in Thor and, Avengers West Coast and Avengers Annual, but we'll have to see because I honestly don't remember. I don't think I even have anything to remember because I don't think I read it. I don't remember ever reading any of these stories, but I'm looking forward to the next one. So far through two issues, uh, I wouldn't say it's like mind blowing, but it's enjoyable and I'm looking forward to moving on from it or moving yeah. on further into it. Which uh, is a story that, you know, this is coming to us with really no uh, no buzz to speak of that I'm aware of. So I'm kind of right. enjoying the fact that it's unheralded for us. Yeah. Um, some of the other stories that were in here, one is uh, the origin of Miss Mrs. Arbogast, who was Tony's secretary. Um which is penciled and inked by Steve Ditko. It's got the whirlwind fighting Iron Man in the office. And, uh, she, uh, kind of distracts the whirlwind hands him the phone. And he says, here, it's for you. And he goes, uh, hello. Are you there? Hello. (laughs) And knocks him out. Of course, all all I can hear with Whirlwind is from the Captain America and the Avengers game. <laughs> but uh, and there's another one uh, called the Devil's Playground with a little kid who's bored, kind of uses his imagination. Um, you know, he thinks he's a member of the Avengers. It's it's kind of cute. It's kind of cute. And then one called Correspondences, which is a bunch of like letters back and forth between. Damage Control and Stark Enterprises. and So these other exciting stories are not that exciting. <clears throat> I, just, I still I can think of them looking. You know, I didn't really pay too much attention to this, but just seeing World, Whirlwind on the phone, I'm just thinking of Elma Fudd. Hello? <laughs> he he <laughs> bugs pretend that the phone was ringing and then... Uh, yeah, it's for it's you, like, Doc. Yeah. Then, then he's like, oh, yes, operator. The phone rang. It went, boing, boing. <laughs> I know it has virtually no re- relationship to the story, but that's what I think of. So let's let's rate this one. Yeah. Oh well, and the other story is one that talks about um, disabled. Uh, I, I didn't read through it. Not really sure fully, but it does have showing people that 
that are disabled and what they can, I believe, and can't do because one of the guys is able to help save the day. And he was in a wheelchair. I know that sounds flippant and brief, but I, like I said, I did not fully read the story. I'm only going by what I'm gleaming. Because it's actually, it's the longer of the extra stories that are in here. So, Anyway, yes, let's read this. Go ahead. All right. The cover, as I said, I'm not fond of. I really don't like it. Uh, and I'm going to give it a C- because it's not horrible, but I just don't think it's good. The interior art, uh, it's probably a step up from the cover, but it's also just not a style that I particularly care for. So I'm just going to bring that to a C. I think it's acceptable. There's a couple of sequences that are, are well laid out, but I don't like the renderings, particularly the people's faces. I don't think are good at all. Uh, and the story, I actually like the story very much. I'm going to give the story an A minus. Uh, not, you know, it's not mind-blowingly good, but it's just very enjoyable and makes me look forward to the next issue. I'm going to give the book overall a uh, a B. I think uh, I am also going to give the book overall a B. Basically, going on um, uh, C for the cover. Because uh, it's average. It's and on the inside things are up and down. You know, see, basically the same gradings that you gave it. Because the story is still pretty is interesting. However, <clears throat> it did. You know, some of the. I mean, I guess I'll let the physics and science slide because I looked up liquid titanium and the only thing I can find is an additive into motor oil. <laughs> you know, and actually a liquid titanium mask for horses. I don't even know what that is. I okay. I, I stopped because I started to fall down a rabbit hole in that. I'm like, what? I don't know. It's something about putting around a horse to cushion it with negative ions. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> ah, no. Look, but Focus. You know, the bottom line on this one, though, is we're through two of five parts, and I'm pretty much looking forward to part three. We're not disappointed. No, not at all. Even you know, even with the aspects of it that we feel like aren't necessarily, you know, as highly rated in our minds, it, it's it's still an intriguing and enjoyable story for us. Yeah. No major beefs. Nope. It's, been a, it's been a good ride so far. We'll see if the ride keeps going. Yeah, we'll see it next time. So I think we're going to call it call it a day at that point, and uh, we'll see you all next time. All right, bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. 
Good night, Mr. Robinson. Mm-hmm.